Hey-o, how's it going? I don't even know where that came from. I never say that. I apologize for that. Um, gosh, I just a little thrown off there. Um, yeah, Indiana. Let's blame that on Indiana. <laughs> the Midwest, what do they know, right? Um, okay. Hey, uh, if you're new to, with us to, to Vine Life, uh, again, I want to say welcome to you. Glad you could make it on this uh, snowy morning. And uh, I know we have a Super Bowl this afternoon, which none of us are too terribly excited about based on our reaction right there. Um, because our team's out, right? Yeah, go Broncos. It's a hard Super Bowl, is it not? Who do you, I mean, who do you root for? Because it's like, uh, you root for Jesus, right? That was the Christian answer. Somebody's been to Sunday school at least once in their life. It, it kind of feels like an election, right? Where it's like, it's not, it's not even who I want to win. Who do I not want to win, all right? And so, um, with that said, go Seahawks, right? <laughs> all right. It's a very confused and convoluted atmosphere right now. So I'm going to try not to keep you too long here today, because I know you have to go home and make your 13-layer dip (laughs) and your soggy wings and whatever else you're doing. It's going to be a good day. Hey, it is a good day to be alive, yeah? It's a beautiful time of worship. Can you guys thank the worship team this morning for just doing such a good job? So good. Um, I'm, I'm going to hop in here, and my goal is to not talk very long. And I usually do not meet that particular goal, but we're going to see what we can do today. Uh, we've been in, in and out of this uh, series called uh, Devoted over the last uh, several weeks. How many of you have been here for any part of that over the last several weeks? Okay. And um, it's, it's been a, a wonderful way to start the year, and especially based on conversations I have. Um, I believe... Uh, in, in the community, in our family, God is calling us back to a place of first love with Him, a place of devotion with Him, not out of duty, but out of the delight of our heart. And we know, we've looked at the last couple of weeks, devotion is not just discipline, but it's discipline sponsored by an encounter with God. And that changes things. It changes everything. It's discipline. Uh, it, it's devotion is passion and discipline and love all wrapped up into one package. And and, and, and the story that we've been kind of teeing off of the last several weeks has been um, looking at the early church, Acts uh, chapter 2, and the Spirit-empowered church. And, and uh, as, as God was forming them, they were responding to God's formation. And I just love that they were just doing their best to try to keep up with the pace of God. Isn't that a good place to be? When God is doing so much and you're the one trying to keep up with Him. And they didn't know what to do, and so they just, okay, let's get together. We're going to read the scripture, and, and, and just, we're going to dive into the, the word of God, the living word of God. Jesus, we know, is the word of God. We're going to pray. We're going to be in fellowship with one another. We're going to pay attention to each other's needs. We're going to ha- cultivate a spirit of generosity where we don't hold anything to ourselves, and, 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 and we're going to delight and find favor in, in giving ourselves to one another. And in Acts 2.42, it starts off like that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I love that. It says, all came upon every soul, 
And, and, you know, and, and just like we were singing that last song, may we never lose the wonder. One of my prayers right now is, Lord God, let us be a people of awe and wonder. God, that this stuff is never just, th- though it's normal for us, I mean, we want it to be normal to be in wonder. Do you know what I'm saying? To, be in a, to cultivate a place of wonder where every day I wake up in anticipation of, God, what are you going to do today? And we show up in this place, the gathering of the saints together. It's this, this place that so every Sunday morning I pray, God, as, as people are driving in, as they're getting up, they're wiping the crust out of their eyes, right? As they're getting up and, and getting their kids ready and all the stuff, God, I pray even now that you would stir their heart to a place of anticipation, God, that they would expect something. And that was a place of expectation with these guys as we read about them. And so we talked about, we talked about the word of God, um, we talked about prayer. And, and like Bob said, Tabernacle of David's coming this next weekend. I'm just really encouraging you to be a part. Um, I'll be in California. I'm going to be praying from California, though, at the same time. It's going to be um, really powerful, I believe. And we put out some kind of different challenges last week, and we talked about fellowship for the first time. We talked about who are the people that you're overflowing into? Who are the people that you're being intentional with to call them up into the fullness of God? You know, are you cultivating rhythms of prayer, rhythms of being in the Word? This, uh, a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, I had my Bible open. I just love the Word of God, how it always finds you right where you're at. And uh, I had my Bible open in my kitchen, and I was reading, and then I left the room for like literally 10 seconds. I come back in, my five-year-old son finds this pen and just starts going to town in my Bible, all right? I'm telling you, this is a reason to freak out, okay? I, I mean, I, I walked in the room. I'm just getting anxious, right? I'm getting angry. I'm, I snap at my son. I'm not proud of those things. I'm just telling you the truth. And then I look at where he scribbles, and he happens to scribble right in Matthew 6, where the tagline is, do not be anxious. And so um, if you've ever doubted that God uh, knows how to read you when you read his word, um, this is proof right here. Do not be anxious, scribble. All right. <laughs> I, we have so many diverse laughs in the room. I, I always appreciate it. Just, I just want to just kind of listen to you guys laughing because it's so weird sometimes. Um, so <laughs> I want to pull it in, guys. Pull it in. So um, I want to follow up last week. We were talking about what it looks like to be developed, uh, devoted to fellowship. And if you were here last week with us, this word fellowship is this word koinonia, and it's a beautiful word, and it's unlike any other word and any other social group or any other community that, that the earth can cultivate. Koinonia is, is a unique to all social groups on the planet because it's a word that describes a different type of fellowship, that when the believers were coming together, they weren't coming together just to connect with each other. They were coming to overflow out of their connection with God. And there's a place that we have to understand that as the people of God, if, when we're in Christ, we have to know that our fellowship is primarily in Christ, okay? So when we come together, what makes us unique is not that we found this common bond, that we all like this church called Vine Life, or we all worship this way. That's not what holds us together at the end of the day. 
koinonia is the recognition that our fellowship is in heavenly places right now. We are one in Christ up here. It's not just finding connection down here. We are in fellowship in Christ. The Bible talks, I, I would argue, the Bible talks more about us being in, in, in Christ than Christ coming into us. Now, it's both. But when it comes to fellowship, there is this beautiful thing. When we change the way we think about connection and community, then we can change the way we relate to each other. Where when we come into this place, if I am fully connected in through Christ and the Holy Spirit of God to the Father, Son, and the Spirit, then it means that I can treat people around me, whether friends or enemies, I can have the best for them. And I can treat them and have the best for them because that's what Jesus has done for us, yeah? And, and it changes things. And so our, our, we, we talked about this idea last week that our primary responsibility with each other in this room as we're creating a welcoming atmosphere, as we're getting to know each other, our primary responsibility isn't just to connect with each other, but to connect each other with God and to find fellowship with God. I have not fulfilled my Christian responsibility to you as a Christ follower if I just connect with you, if I'm not leading you into a beautiful relationship, thriving and sourced from heaven with God. Are you guys with me on that? That is what we're doing for each other, and that changes things. Now, that doesn't mean that we, have, we don't have bad days, right? You come in, I mean, some of you are in this place, and maybe, maybe it's been a rough morning already for you, or maybe you don't feel connected or those types of things, and that's okay, and that's where we get to overflow into each other. And again, call each other up into that. We're pulling each other into fellowship with God, and, and that makes us the family of God. I just love that God did not save us into a vacuum. He didn't save us into an individual pursuit of him where we're all just pursuing God on our own. He saved us into a family, which is a metaphor for the church that is sometimes troubling depending on what kind of family you grew up with, right? So when we start talking about family and God as a father, that's not, that's not always pleasant to us. In fact, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because if you're thinking, man, if this is supposed to be like what I grew up with, then I probably should, should, should back out, uh, you know, leave, get, get out the exit right now because I'm not sure this is going to go well for us. But God, his intention is to invite us into a family that is like no other family, a family that prefers one another, that honors one another, that has the best for one another, Yeah? And so I want to read this passage, Romans 12, 9 through 21. You can open your Bibles if you, if you have them with you. Pull out your iPhones, iPads, whatever you got. You can just pretend like you have something in your hand, too. That's always good. Or for those of you who memorize this, just, just, um, just read it out loud. Uh, Romans 12. So last week, we looked at part of this chapter in Romans 12. And last week, we looked at when Paul was writing to the church in Rome... He was talking about, hey, we're all one in Christ, just like what we were talking about. And because we're one in Christ, then that means we're joint participants in the body of Christ, which means if Jesus is the head, that means we're the body, right? And we all have different functions and parts, just like your body and your organs all have different functions and parts. But we belong to one, each other, one another. We're unified in one another because our head is the same. Now, what does that look like? Here's what this looks like in, in uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21. Says this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. What does that say? Be what? Devoted. Say it louder. Be to one another in love. Honor 
one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a beautiful passage. Now, that part about heaping burning coals upon your enemy's head, um, that's one, I think we, we confuse that sometimes. Um, because it sounds, I mean, it, it, if you're going to pick which verse doesn't sound like the others, it would be that one, right? Um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if you still have anger in your heart and you're thinking like, okay, so if you're saying if I feed him or giving something to drink, it'll be like lighting his head on fire, you know? <laughs> this is brilliant. This is genius, you know? That's not the motivation here. In fact, contextually, arguably, heaping burning coals on us had to do with the way that they would light fires in each other's homes, that they would start with coals. And so sometimes you would go by and by a neighbor giving you a coal, you would actually carry it. They call it heaping it on your head where you'd carry a, a fiery coal on your, on your head so you could bring it back home and use it to cook and to warm your household. It was actually an act of incredible generosity. So uh, uh, don't, don't, don't be confused here, all right? The motivation isn't to, to light your enemy on fire here. The motivation is to let love be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And I love this because um, he's, he's encouraging us. Love is the primary motivation of the church. It's the primary activity that we're supposed to be known for, right? Our love for God and love for each other. And I love even in this chapter, chapter 12, it starts with, it starts with, you know, uh, therefore, because of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to him. And Paul is saying, listen, if, if the mercy of God means anything to you, if the saving work of Christ in your life means anything to you, then take all of your living and your breathing and your doing and your conversation and let it be just like a living sacrifice. For in the Old Testament, they would continually make sacrifices. Now we get to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And, and it leaves this part where out of our love for God, we live in sacrifice. Then he moves into the parts. Now we can be the part of the body. You can be, do exactly what God's called you to do as a part of the body. Then he moves into this last part, which is love for each other. So it starts out with love for God. Here's the body. Now love each other. Our primary motivation is love. Love is active. It's not passive. It's very responsive, right? And this is what it looks like to, to be called into the family, to be a responsive people. When Jesus was asked about who he considers his family, it's interesting to look at his response. In Luke chapter 8, verses 19, 
says this, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So who does Jesus consider to be his family? Those who hear the word of God and do it. Those who not just, not just know what to do, but act on it. The act, there's, like, there's a response. There's an activity that happens. And this is what he calls us into. And that's a good word for us because we're a, we're a culture where we're saturated with messages and sermons. And so many of us know the right thing to do. But when it comes to being active participants, being joy, uh, joyful joint participants in Christ, it, it requires a response from us. And this is this is, again, this is what separates koinonia, the fellowship of the saints, apart from many other things. Koinonia is the difference between going to a restaurant and attending a family dinner. And I'll explain what I mean. Because what is the difference between going to a restaurant and attending a family dinner, right? Go to a restaurant, and everyone's doing something for you, right? You show up, and I'm expecting... Somebody better get a table ready for me. I'm going to order, and I'm not going to just let them just serve me whatever they want. I'm going to tell them what I want, right? And they're going to serve me, and then I can tell them if I like it or not, right? I can complain about, hey, these mashed potatoes, they're not salty enough, right? Um, The water, it took too long for you to fill up my water over here, right? Um, Can I get a comment card, you know? And that's the difference between... Uh, a restaurant and a family dinner. It's funny. You get away with things at restaurants that you don't get away with at family dinners. Like a few years ago, my wife and I went on Valentine's Day uh, to uh, a, a nice restaurant in the area. And I'll, I'll let, let it be nameless just so this doesn't ruin your experience. But uh, we were there, you know, you're paying good money for a meal. And we get the meal. And, uh, and she ordered, I forget, some kind of seafood dish. And, and she got it and we're eating it. And she's like, man, something doesn't taste right here. She's like, she said, taste this. And I taste it. And then I smell it. I was like, oh, wow, it smells funny. And I hand it back there. She's like, yeah, it smells funny. And then we both agree, this dish smells like a zoo, okay? <laughs> I kid you not. I don't even know how to explain that. The dish smelled like a zoo, okay? So if you can imagine this, I'm smelling the dish. It smells like a zoo. She smells the dish. We're both the covering over her dish, agreeing that it smells like a zoo. Whatever, whatever images come to mind there. And, <laughs> and so she calls the waiter over and, and says, hey, yeah. Instead of just saying, I don't like this dish, she calls the waiter over and says, yeah, I can't eat this. This, this dish smells like a zoo. <laughs> and, and this is not normal for her, by the way. I asked for permission to share this story. It was the funniest thing, though, because imagine trying to do that at a family dinner. <laughs> Telling your mom, hey, mom, this is great, but the only problem is it smells like a zoo. <laughs> you do that to your mother, and your father will do something to you, right? Amen. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. And that's the funny thing. That's the difference between a family dinner because you don't just show up and sit down. Everybody gets to play a part, and it's fun. It's fun because you show up and you look at where is, is there a need? What can I do? And you don't wait for something to happen. You, you, uh, you, you find out what needs to happen, and you play a part. You show up, and you set the table, right? You fill up the glasses of water. You're not at a family dinner, and when your water's out, you're like, hey, hey, do you mind? I just need a refill. Do you mind, you know? 
Again, your mom's going to be like, eh, eh, water's over there, yeah? It's over there in the fridge. How about you help yourself? We play a part. We get to, and the difference between a restaurant and a family dinner is whether or not you do something, yeah? And, and, and that's what I love about the family of God. So many of you, you show up. When you show up, you show up. You're here and you show up early and you look around for things to do. Where can I be a part? Where can I be a blessing? What can I give? What are the needs? All those types of things. You're acknowledging other people who are serving and, and you're just living out of that place, not expecting, but just knowing like this is a family and I want to appreciate you. In a family, when you see a need, you meet it. But you don't do that at a restaurant, right? Nobody, I've never heard a story, somebody walking into a business or a restaurant and asking the waiter, like, hey, like, I, I just paid for my, my meal, but I just wanted to see, do you guys have any unmet needs around here? You know, like, is there anything you haven't been able to pay for? Like, do you, these linens look a little, you know, a little raggedy. Can I buy you new linens for the table? Like, can I, can I, can I just give a little extra because I believe in, I just want to invest in this place, right? I've never heard that story before. Besides a, a generous tip to a waiter, nobody walks into a business to do that because you have expectations when you come into a business. But in the family, your eyes see the ones that you love and you see a need and you meet it. And, and in a family, we contribute even to things that we don't necessarily feel called to. And this is always a tension because because we're always encouraging each other. Find the part of the body that you were designed to operate in and do it well and do it to your full extent. But there's certain times that, as you know, in a family, you're doing things that you don't feel called to because that's what it takes to, for the family to thrive and to, to grow and to flourish and to be beautified, right? Like I, in the church, have never met a person who said, man, I just feel, call, I just feel like God is calling me to take out the trash. Can I sign up for that? Can I sign up to go clean the bathrooms or to go do that? I've never felt that. But you and I both know in a family context, when you see things as family, it changes things because your needs are not apart from my own. And I, my, my, the filter through which I'm operating is primarily through the lens of how can I love? How can I overflow? How can I give? Not just enough, but beyond to beautify this family, Right? Because that's another metaphor for the body of Christ, is that we're the bride of Christ. And if we are the bride of Christ, if, if that means that we are Jesus' bride, Jesus is our bridegroom, all of us together are the bride, then that means there's something inside of us that should just get excited about every opportunity we can to beautify and make pretty and just make beautiful the, the bride as we see it and as we know it in the context that God has given. Is anybody with me on that? And this is what he's calling to do. And, and so when this is our family, the questions we begin to ask are, where can I serve? Where are the needs? Where can I get plugged in? Where can I give? How can I add life to this family? What's not being done that I think can be done? How can I lift up and build up? And not just enough where I'm paying, you know, I'm paying my tithe like it's a rent check type of thing. But there's something inside of me. He's like, I love this body. I love what God is doing, and I want to propel and give and flourish what God is doing. And I'm telling you, if, if you are a part of this place and you don't feel like it's a family yet, the best way for this to feel like family is to serve and to give. The best way is to serve and to give. And if you are not connected in any of those ways, I guarantee you, within a year, I'll probably get an email or one of the other staff will get an email from you saying, I just don't feel connected. 
But for those of you guys who I know who are pouring yourself out, and I see this all the time, you're pouring yourself out, you're overflowing, you're showing up with just bubbling over with the life of God and the fellowship with God and the sincerity of love for God to serve those around you. I I don't hear often from those people a connection problem, right? Serving is the best way to feel connected because it's the attitude and activity where we're most like God, right? Serving out of love, when we're loving each other and giving ourselves away for each other, there's something about that it's so right to us that we feel connected. And furthermore, Jesus says this in another place, and he's more talking about money, but where your treasure is, there is your heart also, right? Where your treasure is, there's your heart. So the places where we give our money and our time are ultimately where our passions will reside. And that's in all of life, right? And that's, that's no critique of how you spend your time or money. I'm just telling you, the places you spend your time and money, I, I guarantee you, are the places that you're going to be most excited about in your life. And the people that you're serving, if we were to take a look around the room and ask you over the course of your life, the people that you've been most connected with, the people that you feel are most family to you, the people that you have the deepest, longest lasting, most enduring, most endearing relationships, I guarantee you that the relationships where you are not a consumer, there were the ones where you were giving yourself away to them. And that's why, almost without, without exception, when people, if you've ever been on a missions trip, you guys notice this? When people come back from a missions trip, what do they say about the people there? They were just like family. Like, I want to move there. Like, it felt like so much like home. Now, maybe it did. And maybe Africa is the place you're supposed to be, or Mexico, or South America, or India, or wherever. Maybe, the, maybe that is your home. But I'm, I'm guessing it goes beyond that. What I'm guessing is, because there was an investment of your heart, there was an investment of your time, there was an investment of your resources, to get over there, to pour yourself out to them. Whenever we pour ourselves out, it unlocks our thinking to love them in a whole new way. And I don't think we have to go to the other side of the world to be awakened to how much we love the people around us. Missions are awesome, and we go and we love. But God, would you help us to be the type of people where we're consistently overflowing into each other, not out of guilt, not out of expectation, not out of unhealthy relationships where we're just expecting and just, just needing things from each other type of thing, but we're, it's our joy, God. And that's what I believe for today. God is continuing to shape us into a family, and it changes the way we think about each other, yeah? And so a couple things we want to do today, and we're going to get out of here in record early time, all right? Um, the ushers have this handout, and uh, they're going to hand it out. And, and some of you... Um, I, I want to acknowledge this uh, first. As they're handing this out, I know by face and name a, a lot of you in this room, and I know these, there's places where you are consistently giving yourself away. And I want to say thank you for that. And even this morning, um, received a word from somebody saying during worship, he felt like there were people in this room who were just who had just been ministering and giving themselves away to, to situations and marriages and relationships and ministry opportunities and pouring themselves out all week. And, and they, that he felt like we needed to remind, if you're in this place and you've been pouring yourself out, you need to be reminded 
that, that God delights in your heart because it's turned towards him. And God is not far from you. He is near to you. Be filled up. Be filled to overflowing in the name of Jesus. I just want to bless you for all of you who've been uh, ministering in that way. For those of you who are here to take a first step, yeah. Um, for, for those of you uh, who are new to the community, we have a, a lot of people. Uh, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying that anybody is, is being lazy, or I'm not saying that anybody is not contributing. I'm just saying, listen, I want, I want you to feel the weight of the beauty of what it is to be in the body of Christ. This has nothing to do with getting anything from you. This is you finding the fullness of life and giving yourself away. And it might not be in ways that you're necessarily called to for a lifetime, but I'm telling you, even these ways, you will find life in this. And you see on this handout, this, it's handout called Serve at Vine Life. And there's all these ways across the board. We have amazing ministries at Vine Life. Do you guys, do you guys agree? We have some amazing people doing amazing work in this house. And you'll see on here from children's ministry, which those guys are knocking out of the park, um, to youth ministry in Kainos, Will and his team are just killing it, just crushing it. Uh, communications, Village Makeover, which is our work in Rwanda. We have our tech team. Guys, give a big hand to our tech team in the booth here. <laughs> Facility care, the guys who, I mean, we have a huge property and a huge building. And, uh, and these guys are just, um, these guys are doing a fantastic job week after week. We have our worship ministry guys which, I mean, there's close to 40 people from the youth all the way up in our uh, worship ministry. We have opportunities to be involved and to grow there. Our communion team, Marilyn and, and Tammy, and they put together communion every week so that we can honor Christ through the sacrament of the Eucharist, through communion. And it's beautiful. And, and they're kind of um, just a very small team that does that week after week. And there's so many other ways to plug in and prayer teams in ushering, and, and, and you name it. And some of you have ways that you can think of in your own mind. And I want to encourage you here today, um, if you're not connected, I, I just want to in, invite you to, to find the joy of what it looks like to be free enough to serve and to give away yourself to other people in these ways. And even if you don't know where to serve, uh, you can write your name, and we'll be in contact with you, and we can explore every, uh, other opportunities. And listen, in this room, if you check this off and fill this out, this is not a commitment, okay? You're not committing to anything. What we'll do is we're going to take this flyer, we're going to give it to ministry leaders, and you're going to either an email or a phone call, and they'll invite you into the opportunity and see if it's the right fit. And I'm telling you, um, there is so much fun. It is so fun to be a part of the family when we're showing up and I'm here for you, you're here for me, we're here for each other, we're here for whoever God is bringing us. And it's in that environment that our hearts begin to fill with awe because we begin to see that the fellowship of God, the fellowship of Christ is being made manifest. His love is permeating all of us and it's evident in all of us. Are you guys with me on that? Last thing, okay, last thing, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, I want to encourage you, as you leave today, um, if you have ever been blessed by somebody who has been serving this community, whether on the worship team, the tech team, the communion team, Kids Quest, Coffee Bar, um, Bookstore, the Connect team, which they welcome you at the door, um, uh, the facility team, any of those guides, the healing, uh, healing word, uh, rooms and words of encouragement rooms that we have in the back during worship, our ministry team up front that they come up in just a little bit. If you've been blessed by any of those, 
I want to encourage you to um, ask the Lord for a blessing for somebody that's been serving, okay? And I want to encourage you to write a note of thank you, okay? Now, because I am one step ahead of you, I have made this incredibly easy, all right? Uh, As you leave, you're going to notice on the tables in the back, we got a couple hundred blank greeting cards, all right, with pens. We got even gel glitter pens, right, for some of you. I want to encourage you, we're going to end here, we're going to end right now. In fact, I'll ask the ministry team to come up front. Um, We're going to end, and what I want to encourage you to do is go, before you even leave, go get a card, ask the Lord for, who has blessed me in this community? Write their name down. Even if you don't know their name, just write communion team, tech team, kids quest workers. But if you know them by name, when you're picking up your kids later, go give a card to their teacher. When you, uh, before the ministry or the worship team leaves, give a card to one of the musicians. If you're serving in any capacity, whether it's in Freedom Ministries or even the Unseen Places, down in Wellspring even, our food and clothing bank, go down and bless them. Let's get rid of all those cards. Let's come up with a word of blessing because it's in honoring each other that we are modeling what Christ purchased for on the cross. This is koinonia. This is being devoted to fellowship. It's being devoted to one another. Amen? All right, are you guys, come on, are, are, is this good stuff here or not? Okay, so I'm going to pray. Let's stand together. And what we'll do is this. Um, if you have any prayer needs as we end the service today, I would encourage you to come up front to any of our ministry team and receive prayer. We have words for healing prayer on the screen. If you have any of these physical conditions, um, please come up uh, to get prayer. And uh, we would love to send you out healed and whole and all those things. Um, Father, we thank you today for a beautiful day in your presence and together in fellowship with one another. We thank you that we find our oneness and togetherness and unity in you, Jesus. And God, as we move out of this place, let us move out with blessing. Let us move out with a heart of generosity, a heart of honor towards one another. And God, later this week as we get together to pray, we just pray that the stirring would go deeper. I thank you, Father, for blessing and favor on each one. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.